Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Maybe sometimes hear some bad preaching. Uh, but hear preaching that brings insight and revelation to us. And yet, although we're hearing those things, we never allow those things to take root or to be applied in our life because we don't spend any time in the altar, whether in this building or on the way home or in our house, working through those things with God. We know that the altar is mentioned 370 different times throughout scripture revealing to us that God has established this principle in place God meets man at an altar that's why we started in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 where Paul said that you are to present your bodies a living sacrifice that you are to be transformed in the way that you think because Paul understood that if you don't live an altered lifestyle you will live a cultured lifestyle therefore believers will begin to act like non-believers and believers can tell lies and not even be bothered by it they can behave like non-believers and not even stop or hesitate because they haven't been altered so now they become cultured I'm preaching already just in the introduction yeah, yeah. So we've got to spend some time in the altars. We, we talked about that Noah uh, spent some time at an altar. Noah had witnessed the complete annihilation of humanity and everything that lived and breathed on the face of the planet. It was a painful moment. It was a distressful moment. And the first thing that Noah does when he walks off the ark is he builds an altar. An altar of remembrance where he remembers that although I've gone through pain and although I've seen destruction, God, you are still faithful and God, you've brought me through. And I've said to you that I don't, I don't really know what some of you are going through. I, I try to find out what's going on in your life, but even then I don't always understand the pain level that you're enduring. But I know this, if you would stop long enough to just stop and remember, God is still faithful. If God is never, if he never does anything else for you, he's still faithful. He still brings provision and you can and stop and remember like David and make a covenant like David and say I will remember even though I'm in pain I will remember even though I'm through and going, going through it right now I will remember we got to remember what God has done then uh, a couple weeks ago we dealt with Abraham's uh, lessons there are two different types of altars that Abraham establishes he establishes an altar of promise where God makes promises to him and I tried to convince you that you need to spend long enough in the altar and be quiet enough in the altar so that you can hear the promises of God over your life God is a promise making God and you can hold on to the promises that he makes to you you've got to get a promise that's worth fighting for so that God says there's destiny in you there's purpose in you there's a future I know it doesn't look like there's a future now but just hang on there's a future you will be able to endure if you have a promise and then last week we dealt with the other lessons of Abraham at the altar of sacrifice. Abraham teaches us that, that at, it is at the altar of sacrifice that our idols are exposed. Uh, Abraham is instructed to bring what he loves the most. We don't mind bringing what we, what we don't love. We don't mind bringing what we hate. I don't have any problem bringing my weaknesses and my addictions and my, 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 my deficiencies to God and laying them at the altar. But Abraham teaches us that you've got to find out what your no is. 
that, that thing in your life that if God was to ask you for it right now, you'd go, no way. At that moment, your idol is revealed because that thing has become your God. And Abraham says, out of his life, out of his life's lessons, you've got to get to the place in your relationship with God that whatever God asks for, the answer is always and forever will be yes. It's called the altar of sacrifice. It's at this altar that we discover whether we're trustworthy. How many of you are thankful God is trustworthy? Anybody found out? Anybody proved him? He's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. You can trust him. But it is at the altar of the altar of sacrifice that he discovers whether or not we're trustworthy. I'm just praying that all of us will spend some time at the altar of sacrifice and our entire body will be found to be people that are trustworthy when God asks us we'll go through when God asks us we'll respond when God demands we'll come through I want to be trustworthy amen amen it's at that altar that you see his provision there are so many altars that we could wrap this series up in I I would like to deal with a whole lot of these altars there are 370 you'll you'll discover I'm not a math major uh, I, I discovered that in in the first service because I said man I, I should just preach on one of these altars for the rest of uh, for for years to come I I could I'd probably 52 Sundays I could preach on a different altar every week and get two years out of it and then I realized uh, 370 divided by a thousand yeah okay I can get six years out of it okay I flunked math that's all right some of y'all still around to do the math don't look at me like that there are a lot of altars we could talk about. I wanted to talk to you about the altar that Isaac establishes. It, it, it shows us that there are generational altars. Speaking to us as families, that as moms and dads, we need to teach our children to pray and to spend time in the presence of God. That, that's a valuable lesson. I, I, I wanted to talk to you about the altar that Jacob establishes because it's in the altar that Jacob, uh, Jacob establishes that, that God deals with your past. Some of y'all have some past. I, I don't have a past, but y'all got a past. I know how it goes. I got a past too. And, and it's at the altar that Jacob established that God lays out, exposes his past, and then says, hey, your past has no no point on your life no establishment in your life and I can take you into a different destiny and I don't consult your past to, to fulfill your destiny your future I wanted to talk about that altar I wanted to talk about the corporate altars that are established in Exodus I wanted to go into Gideon's altar and talk about the altar of calling and there's so many others that we could talk about but this morning we're going to wrap this whole series up by talking about one altar in particular the altar of need it's a common altar. It's an altar that we know about, but maybe some new light on it this morning. I want you to join me, if you will, in 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to read to you an account that you're familiar with. It's referenced over and over again. We, In, in fact, we referenced it just a couple weeks ago. Anytime I do a baby dedication, I reference this passage of Scripture. It's not unfamiliar to you. It's the story of Hannah, but I want you to notice what happens. It says, every year this man went from his hometown up to Shiloh to worship and offer a sacrifice to the God of angel armies. Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, served as the priests of God there. And well, when Elkanai sacrificed, he passed helpings from the sacrificial meal around to his wife, Penaniah, and, and all her children. But he always gave an especially generous helping to Hannah because he loved her so much and because God had not given her children. But her rival wife taunted her cruelly, rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her children. This went on year after year. And every time she went to the sanctuary of God, she could expect to be taunted. 
Hannah was reduced to tears and had no appetite. Her husband Elkanah said, Oh, Hannah, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? And why are you so upset? Am I not worth more to you than ten sons? So Hannah ate. Then she pulled herself together and slipped away quietly, and she entered the sanctuary. The priest Eli was on duty at the entrance of God's temple in the customary seat. Crushed in soul, Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried inconsolably. Then she made a vow. Oh, God of the angel armies, if you'll take a good, hard look at my pain, if you'll quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I'll give him completely, unreservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. And it so happened that as she, was, as she continued in prayer before God, Eli was watching her closely. Hannah was praying in her heart silently. Her lips moved, but no sound was heard. How many of you have ever been in so much pain? that you couldn't get any words out. That's where she's at. Eli jumped to the conclusion that she was drunk. So he approached her and said, You're drunk! How long do you plan to keep this up? Sober up, woman! And Hannah said, Oh, no, sir. Please. I'm a woman hard used. I haven't been drinking not a drop of wine or beer. The only thing I've been pouring out is my heart. Pouring it out to God. Don't for a minute think I'm a bad woman. It's because I'm so desperately unhappy and in such pain that I've stayed here so long. And Eli, this is important, Eli answered her, Go in peace and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. Think well of me and pray for me, she said, and went away. Then she ate heartily, her face radiant. Up before dawn, they worshiped God and returned home to Ramah. And Elkanah slept with Hannah, his wife, and God began making the necessary arrangements in response to what she had asked. And before the year was out, Hannah had conceived and given to a birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, explaining, I asked God, him. This is a heart-wrenching and at the same time a heart-warming account. Here is a woman who was loved mightily by her husband. Hannah was not unloved. She says, I've been hard treated, and yes, she had, hard used. But, but the reality this morning is that when you read the account, you discover that Hannah was loved much by her husband. From all outward appearances, it would seem that she had every outward reason to be absolutely, completely content. But outward misrepresented the inward. Think about that a moment. The outward expressions misrepresented how she felt on the inside. Inwardly, she was barren. Inwardly, she was hearing the taunts and the ridicules and the jokes, and they were wounding her inwardly from outward appearances. You ought to be happy, Hannah. Your husband loves you much. But inwardly, she was barren and broken, cast aside. I wonder how many of us show up Sunday after Sunday and from all outward appearances, everything seems to be okay. Uh, nothing wrong. We've learned to smile. The family looks perfect. 
we seem to be genuine when we say, I'm so blessed, I can't be stressed. When, when we shake hands and say, how you doing? I, I'm all right, everything's good. From outward appearances, everything. It seems like from the outward, everything ought to be perfect in, their, in your life. But I wonder how many of us on the inside are filled with pain and ridicule and disaster. So Hannah, out of her pain and out of her agony, she runs to the sanctuary to an altar. In fact, if you will, you can read here and what you learn quickly is this, is that the depth of her pain impacted how long she remained at the altar. The more pain she was in, the longer she stayed. I only mention that because I've recognized in us as a body and, and recognized on the landscape of the church that this is true today is that we used to know how to tarry and we used to know how to pray through and we used to know how to get in the altar and seek God and we used to know how to wait on the Lord because we recognize that when we learn to wait on the Lord, our strength will be renewed. But now what we do is we run away from the altar rather than running to. But Hannah knew that when she was in pain I got to get to an altar year after year after year after year she would sprint into the altar because she knew she could find help there so out of this account I want to mention a couple things to you see I see I, I just need to tell you that God that Hannah had a God need not an I need she had a God need she didn't have a man need she had a God need there was nobody that could solve this problem for her. No man could solve this problem for her. If, if a man could have fixed it, her husband would have already fixed it. She had a God problem. The only, the only need that she had was a need that only God could resolve. Only God could step in. Only God could bring a breakthrough. Only God could fix this. I think there are some folks probably in the house this morning. You don't have a man need. You don't have an I need. There's nothing anybody can do. Some of you got some God needs that only God if God doesn't come through I'll never see any change there's good news for you this morning let me teach you two th simple things out of this account that I think will help you the first one is this arrangements are made in response to requests one of the things that I cannot figure out about God is and I've tried and I can't figure it out I don't understand this we declare that God knows everything right he knows everything. I mean, he knows when a, when a sparrow falls out of a tree. He knows how many hairs are falling out of Pastor Steve's head right now as we speak. Because I guarantee it's happening. And he knows, if he knows all that, then surely he knows my need. He knows everything about us. So God, if you know everything about us, then, then, then you know what I need. And so, what, what, what's a, but even though God knows everything, God expects us to ask. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand that. Uh, God, you, you know when the, the planets are spinning. You know which star belongs where. You know which, which gust of wind. How? Wh what? God? What? And all I can tell you is this. It's shown to us through Scripture time and time again that God wants us to request and that arrangements are based are being made based upon our willingness to request help. God wants us to ask. In fact, uh, Jesus gives us a glimpse into just how crucial this simple step is when, when in, 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 in his encounter with men, he said, you have not 
because you ask not. So God knows all my needs. He's aware of all my needs. But he is, it is abundantly clear that, it, that he often waits until we make a request to even respond. That's why in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, listen to what he says. He says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayer. Letting God know your concerns. You know it like this. Let your petitions be made known. He's saying ask. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, listen to what it says. It says, now that we know that we have Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, but without sin. So let's walk right up to him and get ready to get what he's ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Y'all know that verse of Scripture has boldly approached the throne of grace. So here it is. I believe that what he's saying to us is that we're told to bring our petitions, told to bring our concerns, and make them known to God. Not just to Facebook. Not just to Twitter. Not just to Aunt so-and-so. Because we got to get God back in the loop and recognize that if we have a God need, then Facebook will not resolve our issues and Twitter will not resolve our issues and Aunt Boo Boo can't resolve our issues. This is a God need. Therefore, at some moment in this equation, I got to get God back in the loop and go to God and say, God, please help me. Why? Because we're reminded that Jesus has been through everything we've gone through and he has immediate access to the Father. So what he's telling us is that if we could ever come to the place where we make our petitions known and recognize that God starts making arrangements when we start making requests, at that moment what he's teaching us is you don't have to take a number. You don't have to wait in line. There is no middleman. You have what I believe is one of the most underutilized privileges known to mankind, which is to approach your father as a son or a daughter and say, Daddy, I need your help. But we like to run to Aunt Boo-Boo. And God's saying, why don't you ask me? See, I believe that that is so important because I want you to hear this statement. Our request reveals our reliance. Therefore, who you ask first is usually who you are depending on the most. That was good. So, so, so when I have a need in my life, a God need, and instead of running to God, I run to my uncle and say, hey, uncle, can you help me? then what I'm really saying is I believe more in my uncle than I believe in my father. Or if I have a provision need in my life and I say, oh, Mr. Banker, can you help me? And I never stop long enough first to ask God, then what I'm really saying is I, be I believe more in the first national bank of whatever more than I believe in the father who has all the cattle on a thousand hills. If I run to my doctor first, I want you to go to your doctor, but I sure wish you would stop off at the great physician's office first and ask him to heal you and then go to um, we reveal our reliance by who we make the request of see I, I, we have that kind of access 
How many of you catch yourselves on a daily basis asking God for something? Don't be ashamed. I do. Come on now. We ought to. He says to come boldly. Okay, so if our issue is not making requests on a regular basis, if our issue is we're not seeing any response on a regular basis, then our failure is not in our request. Our failure must be in our approach. I want to say that again. If we make requests on a regular basis, but we're not seeing response on a regular basis, then our failure is not our request. Our failure could possibly be our approach. Let me see if I can help you, and then I'll get out of your way. I think when you have a God need, that in order to get a God response, you must approach appropriately. And I think I can prove it to you out of Scripture, and then we're going to practice it. The first thing that I think you've got to understand is that we've got to approach the altar clear. And then we must approach the altar connected. And let, me, let, me, let me help you. See, I know what happens. I, I, when you're in so much pain, when life has dealt you a bad hand, when, 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 when you go through what you've been through this week, I recognize that in that moment, if we're not careful, our perspective becomes clouded and we really don't know how to approach God correctly. And, and I want to try to teach you that, that when you approach the altar, you must approach the altar clear. What does clear mean? What, what do you mean, Steve? I want to approach correctly. I've got some needs. I want God to act on my behalf. What do you mean by approaching clear? I mean that response to our requests are restricted by sin and strife. If you have a request that you're making known to God and you're not getting any response, then you need to make sure you're going clear. Because if you're not there clear, according to Scripture, your request is being blocked. All I should have to do is, is as, for proof of that, is read these two verses of Scripture. Here you go. Psalm chapter 66, verses 17 through 19. For I cried to him for help with praises ready on my tongue. He would not have listened if I had not confessed my sins. But he listened. He heard my prayer, and he paid attention to it. How about Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 through 2? Look, listen, God's arm is not amputated. He can still save. God's ears are not stopped up. He can still hear. There's nothing wrong with God. That's a powerful statement. There's nothing wrong with God. The wrong is in you. Your wrong-headed lives caused the split between you and God. Your sins got between you so that he doesn't hear. I, I just feel like a rapper. I, I think I just ought to go. You got to get to the altar clear. And if you're not getting any response, then you better check whether there's any sin in your life because at the moment there's sin in your life, there's a barrier between... Okay. So then Jesus comes on and he says, not only is it your sin that blocks you, but strife blocks your request as well. That's why in Jesus taught us very specifically in Matthew chapter 5 that when we approach an altar and remember a grudge isn't it, that somebody has against us, isn't it kind of interesting that when you get into the altars, God... 
tends to put people's faces in your mind. I hate it that he does that. He's just trying to remind us that there's a block if there's strife. Jesus said if there's strife, get up from the altar, go make it right, then come back and offer your gift and I'll listen to you. That's why in the model prayer, Jesus drives it again home to us. Y'all know the prayer. There's a need made known. Give us this day our daily bread. That's the need. But then he shows us that if you're not careful, when you ask for things, you've also got to deal with the blocks and come clean and come clear because then he says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. So you got to get to the altar. He wants to meet your need. He knows about your need. But if there's sin and strife in your life, you're not approaching correctly. So you got to get there clear. But you've also got to get there connected. Let me see if I can help you, and then I'll, I'll stop. Hannah's pain was misunderstood. Hannah's pain was overlooked. Her pain was underestimated. And even, catch this now, even those who should have had enough discernment and ability to recognize her pain missed it. Eli was the high priest. He had the anointing of God on his life. If anybody should have been able to recognize her pain, Eli, at the moment she walked into the temple, should have gone, that woman's in pain. And instead, he misunderstands and thinks she's drunk. We could harshly judge Eli and say, you blew it, buddy. You got no discernment in your life at all. You're a scoundrel. But I'm convinced that Eli is the perfect picture of the church. This whole, we want to point and we, we want to, I'll just tell you how I am. I want to come to church and when I'm in pain, I want to wag my finger at people and say, you should have enough discernment to know about my pain. Now, I haven't bothered to tell you about my pain, but you ought to have enough spiritual insight you glow in the dark and every every spotlight or stop sign turns stoplight turns green when you come up to it you ought to have enough god in you to recognize see some of you are mad at people sitting next to you right now because you've been coming here week after week after week after week in pain and they have missed it and so now you're angry but i want you to notice Hannah was never angry in fact I need you to catch this. Hannah actually enlisted the assistance of the one who had missed his assignment. That was good. I'm going to say that again. Hannah actually turns and involves the very one that had already blown it and missed his assignment. Question. What if the answer to your greatest need is wrapped up in the person that you're angry with. Say it like this. I, I wrote this down. And I want you to catch this. Please, please listen. People miss their assignments, but if you miss your alignment. say that again I get it the person sitting next to you right now has missed their assignment 
But if you miss your alignment, you may just miss your answer. See, even though Eli first thought she was drunk, there's a connection that takes place with Eli. And there's this touch and agree moment. There is this power and connection that takes place. You've got to read the story. The story tells us that Hannah had come to the sanctuary year after year after year after year. And she'd made the same request over and over and over and over again. And God never moved on her behalf until this day. When Eli turns around after missing his assignment, she didn't bust the alignment. And all of a sudden, Eli turns around and says, go in peace and may God do for you what you've asked of him. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, arrangements begin to be made because there's a powerful thing that happens when connection takes place. Oh, I don't know. I've read it somewhere. Wherever two or three gather together and agree on anything on earth, it shall be done in heaven. What we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Some of you are not seeing any results because you're disconnected. See, the reason some of you are making requests and you're seeing no response is because you've allowed your pain to isolate you until your connection is broken. Hear me very carefully this morning. Great pain demands great connection. I I know you're in pain. The, The deeper, the greater your pain, you must dig down deep into connection and get connected to some people that can bear your burdens. We must bear one another's burdens. You were never intended to carry this pain by yourself in the first place. You need to get into an altar and have somebody come along in your life and say, God, I ask you, please, give them what they've asked for. See, your answer may simply be tied up and contingent upon your connection. I wrote this statement down. I love doing this because they're fun to say, but I hope you'll catch it. It's this. Your willingness to share the burden of your bearing, barrenness may be the only barrier to the birth of your breakthrough. Some of y'all been coming here for years, and we still don't know what your pain is. So we can't bear it. We can't, I'm going to read it again. Your willingness to share the burden of your barrenness may be the only barrier to the birth of your breakthrough. Some of you are suffering in silence. And the only thing that's standing between you and your answer is your approach. And if you would approach connected, faith combines and God's hand begins to move on your behalf. And all these years you've been crying out, God, help me with this. And all of a sudden, a brother or sister comes along and agrees with you. And they say, God, please, 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 please give them what they ask for. And all of a sudden, arrangements start being made in the heavenlies. Oh, you may still have to wait for a little while. Hannah had to wait for nine months. But rest assured, everything changed, not when she gave birth. Everything changed when she connected with a messed up priest. So this is how we're going to conclude this morning. As we have over the last four weeks, there will be no dismissal. 
I'm simply going to release you into the altars. That altar could be here. It could be in your seat. I'm going to ask you to kneel. If you cannot kneel and you have a God need, then at some moment when you are really dialing in on that need, I want you to raise your hand so that we can see it. I've asked the leaders of this church. to make themselves available. What they're going to do is they're going to walk through this sanctuary as you're praying. Don't be freaked out if somebody comes up to you and lays their hand on you. It'll be one of our leaders. But here's what I want you to do. When you feel that hand resting upon you, you need to understand what they're going to do. Out loud, they're going to make this statement, God, please give them what they are asking for. So when you feel that hand come on you, you need to Focus your prayer on the one God need that you're asking God to answer. Because as you're focusing on that and as they're laying hands on you, there's a touch and agree moment right there. And I believe that that will unleash the power of God. And you may have to wait for a little while, but I believe with everything that's within me that many of you are going to be able to point back to this Sunday and say, it happened on that Sunday. It started. God began to make arrangements on that Sunday. And now I'm living in the blessing and the breakthrough and the provision that started when we touched and agreed. your God need this morning? What's going on in your life that only God can answer? Get to an altar clear and connected and let him birth great miracles in you. Father, this morning I pray that as we spend time in this altar of need that you would help us to recognize that we can, we can approach your throne with boldness. We have a great high priest that loves us and desires to do great things on our behalf. Many of the people under the sound of my voice, Father, have asked over and over and over again, and they're beginning to wonder if you're even listening. In fact, Father, there may be even some folks in this building this morning that have come to a place where they now doubt whether you can do what you say you can do. So God, I just pray simply this morning that we would evaluate our approach. Your word is clear. You love us so much that you will withhold nothing from us. In fact, your word teaches us that you will do exceedingly abundantly above everything that we can even think or imagine. So the issue is not whether you care. I think the issue is our approach. I pray this morning that you would help us to approach your altar clear. Father, if there's any sin in our life, I pray that as we take a a kneeling posture, that confession would be instant and immediate, and we would clear the air with you. God, if there's strife in our heart, I pray that you would allow us clear that as well we could kneel before your throne completely clear and open in our relationship with you and with man and then father I pray that before we get out of here there will be this moment of connection that takes place and I pray that as a leader lays a hand on people in need I pray that when they 
say these words. God, give them what they're asking you for in their heart. I pray that at that moment, just like Hannah experienced, something in the supernatural would be released. And I ask you to live up to the promises of your word that says we can touch and agree. And what we agree upon on earth will be done in heaven. Join our faith together, I pray today. Let faith arise in our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. I release you to find a place of prayer. If you have a God need this morning, you can kneel at your chair or find a place in this altar. And after a few moments, our leaders are going to begin to move throughout this sanctuary and lay hands on you. We believe we're going to see great things happen as we connect together today in Jesus' name.
Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. 